0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9:08 Central Daylight Time. It is the 3rd of May, 2022, and this is episode 584 of Bitcoin. And I've got an announcement for you. Bitcoin 101 Meetup, Ovid, Michigan. That's Bitcoin 101 Meetup in Ovid, Michigan, hosted, hosted by Mike Smith. The doors open at 5 p.m. for an evening of Bitcoin chat. This is on May the 13th, right? 2022. So May the 13th is what? Is it the Friday after next? Uh, It is, in fact, the Friday after this coming Friday. So you got about a week and a half to get your shit together. Get down there to 101 South Main Street, Ovid, Michigan, 48866. That's the the zip code. Says beverages are welcome. I don't know if that means non-alcoholic and alcoholic or what. Uh, I'm going to go with the fact that you can probably bring a bottle of whiskey with you or scotch depending on, you know, how you're you're going to roll. Anyway, so again, Bitcoin 101 Meetup, Ovid, Michigan. Mike Smith is your host. Doors open at 5, May the 13th, 2022. Location is 101 South Main Street, Ovid, Michigan. That is 101 South Main Street, Ovid, Michigan. Bring whatever you're going to drink with you because they're not providing it. All right, now, should I talk about it? I should probably say at least a few words about the Supreme Court thing that happened late last night, and I'm not going to give my opinion either way on abortion in general, okay? Because it's just, it's not relevant to what I find even more sinister about what the hell happened last night. The Supreme Court documents don't get leaked. They just don't drafts of bills that are, or of decisions, not bills, of decisions that are pending, these don't get leaked. Maybe every once in a while. But my question here is about timing. Of all the decisions that would inflame the American public at a time that the American public is already inflamed out the ass. This is the one that you would drop. This is exactly. This is exactly the one. That you could tear apart. What remained. Of the cohesiveness. And there wasn't much of it. The cohesiveness of the American public. Left versus right. Because apparently that's all we have in this country. Is red versus blue. It's blue team or or red team. And if you really wanted to pick a time that you could destroy what was left of anything resembling ties from one side of the country to the other, this would be the time. You just went through two years of pandemics, mask wearing, vaccinations. Those vaccinations have seriously compromised young healthy adults to the point that they're having heart attacks. Now you got some weird liver ass problems going on. You were had to mask up. You had all this you were being called a terrorist if you didn't. You were being called uh, uh, other nasty names if you did. I mean, it was just basically just ripping each other apart. And then and then coming out of that, what happens? <gasps> Ukraine. Ukraine on the heels of demasking and now I support the current thing. you know, I, I support I've supported the masks. I supported the vaccines. I supported the lies given to us by the people, you know who are saying that it's it's normal for 28 year old fully and physically fit you know athletes to be dropping dead left and right. Um, you know, I support that. and I, I now I support Ukraine, okay, So I support supporting the current thing. And then all of a sudden there was something, I think there was something else right in between, right after Ukraine, something happened. I can't remember. It doesn't really fucking matter, does it? It doesn't matter. We've been ripped apart for two and a half years. All in which I think is just a massive cover up for the fact that the world economy is coming apart at the seams and no other reason. It is literally that simple for me. They have screwed the synthetic system up so bad and so completely that it is coming apart at the seams and nobody needs to be looking at it. So distraction after distraction, after distraction, after distraction, and of all the distractions that you could put right now is a leaked document from a decision not made yet and drop it on the American public like a fuel air bomb as a mop up operation that's what I think is actually occurring. Do I think it's part of a plan? I don't know, man. I mean, it, it. I can't think of anything else, but it just seems odd that the Supreme Court would be directed to do something like this. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to chalk it up as absolute fucking ignorance on the, on the Supreme Court that they would even, I, I didn't even know this thing was coming up. I hadn't even heard, I hadn't heard anything about it. And of all the things in the world, even though you know that's even Ginsburg herself apparently didn't like the actual way Roe v.ersus Wade was constructed, I kind of figured at figured that that was going to be something that the Supreme Court would never touch. And if they did, they certainly would under should understand not to do it at a time when the American public is seething. So it's like a nuclear bomb just went off, and I have absolutely no idea what comes next. But this one is bad. And we thought Ukraine and and Russia and all the bullshit and all the cover-ups for Hunter Biden and, and, and the laptop and all the weirdness that has been going on, it's just been one distraction after another. Because if you look at what's past the distraction, you see some really, really bad, really awful shit. And yet we get distracted and distracted and distracted. So my question is, what's this the distraction for? Is it the final nail in the coffin for the world economy? I don't know. Is it the final nail in the coffin for the power brokers in Washington, D.C. and basically IMF and World Economic Forum and we find out just how evil and twisted and sick that they really are? I don't know. But you don't drop an overturn of Roe versus Wade on the American public at this particular time. There's something, there's something weird about this. Yeah, I'll tinfoil hat this son of a bitch all day long and twice on Sunday. There's something very, very wrong here. The timing doesn't make any sense. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Let's talk about Argentina. Argentina's largest private bank now allows users to buy Bitcoin. Banco Galicia, I think is the way that you pronounce it. The largest Argentinian private bank confirmed that it will allow its users to buy and sell Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in a series of, quote, new investment options in a tweet earlier today. By the way, this is written by Sean Amick, and it's coming out of Bitcoin magazine. The bank reportedly added a feature within the investment section of its mobile application for users to acquire BTC and a select few other Cryptocurrencies, according to a report from CoinDesk. Banco Galicia will be working with Lyrium, a cryptocurrency infrastructure company, to accomplish the rollout of these new investment vehicles. Lyrium enables banks and digital wallets to buy, sell, send, and receive cryptocurrencies. Argentina has become increasingly friendly towards Bitcoin adoption over the course of the past two years. In August of 2021, Alberto Fernandez, president of Argentina, was asked if he would follow the likes of El Salvador in making Bitcoin legal tender, stating, quote, I don't want to go too far out on a limb, but there is no reason to say no, end quote. At the time, Fernandez made this comment, Argentina was seventh in the world inflation index. Prior to El Salvador's adoption, the Bitcoin payments infrastructure company known as Strike launched in the region. In January of 2022, Strike launched in Argentina, providing a step forward for Bitcoin adoption in the region. Strike CEO Jack Maller took to Twitter for the announcement, "Quote Today, we launch a superior financial experience to a country that faces hyperinflation, predatory payment networks, and unusable cross-border transfers. Mallers continued, Today, we use the world's open monetary network Bitcoin to give hope to the people of Argentina. All right, so apparently there is another bank that is uh, considering this. Hold up. Ah, yes, here it is. The other bank in Argentina that's going to do it is a digital bank, BrewBank. S-A-U. That's BrewBank S-A-U. And they will allow their customers to purchase crypto, including Bitcoin, Shitcoin One, and USDC. Circles version of a United States uh, dollar stablecoin. So there you go. Argentina has not one, but two banks that are offering their customers to buy Bitcoin directly. That's Argentina. Argentina's been in the shit for a long time. So next to fall... I don't know, but I do want to bring um, well actually we'll we'll save that for later. Never mind, never mind. EU commissioner calls for global coordination on crypto regulation. So the evil ones are at work again. Turner Wright tells us more. Coin Telegraph. <clears throat> Maryed or Myreed McGuinness, I guess is how you pronounce her name, the commissioner for financial services. Financial Stability and Capital Markets Union at the European Commission is calling for global regulators to work together to address potential risks in the crypto market. In a Sunday opinion piece in polit- political media outlet The Hill, McGuinness said the European Union and the United States could help lead the world in a regulatory approach for cryptocurrencies that considers the benefits of the innovative technology while addressing the significant risks. The EU commissioner pointed to the volatility of certain assets, the risk of insider trading, the possibility of crypto being used by Russia to evade sanctions and environmental concerns. Quote, to make rules on crypto fully effective, crypto requires global coordination and joint international principles. McGuittis added a global agreement on crypto should first enshrine that no product remains unregulated. (laughs) Second, supervisors should collect and exchange information globally. Oh, Jesus. Third, any agreement must protect retail investors. Fourth, the crypto ecosystem should fully integrate environmental considerations. Good fucking luck, Marriott, or however you pronounce your stupid ass name. No, supervisors should not collect and exchange information globally. There should really be no global agreement on crypto that enshrines that no product remains unregulated. Why? Because it's going to happen. You can't stop it. It's a genie that's so far out of the bottle that that genie has went down to Ikea and bought cheap-ass furniture and moved into a fucking apartment. It is here to stay and you're not doing anything about it. It just is good. It's like mud. You try to grip it in your hands and the the more that you tighten your grip, the more mud slips through your fingers. Be like water is what Bruce Lee told us a long time ago. It's one of the most amazing sentences I've ever heard. Be like water. Have no structure. Conform at all times to the vessel that you are inside or to the shape of the channel that you are flowing down. But nobody can really stop you. You can be contained for a little while, but even then, water can evaporate out of that vessel and reconstitute itself somewhere else. Be like water. Continuing on, according to the EU commissioner, European regulators have already moved forward in providing a comprehensive framework on crypto with the Markets and Crypto Assets, or MICA proposal, which essentially standardizes all rules for crypto service providers within the European Union. Good luck with that one, too. She also said the executive order signed by President Joe Biden, Mr. Potato Head, in March, charts the way for United States regulation of crypto assets by laying down a framework for government agencies to handle crypto-related policies and enforcement actions. Quote, We have no time to lose in managing this transformation for a benefit of investors, businesses, and wider society. McGinnis said, In addition to its work on MICA, the European Commission called for financial service specialists to weigh in on the potential rollout of a digital euro. The European Central Bank has already begun experimental prototyping of a digital euro customer interface as of April the 29th. McGuinness said the EU Commission would stand ready to introduce legislation behind a central bank digital currency. Yeah, because that is your last flash in the pan. Their days, all of these people's days are numbered. The central government of China, the European Commit- Union, in any centralized any any centralized government of any size, has only been able to hold their shit together by controlling essentially the legacy financial system. And I, it is becoming very apparent that that is coming apart at the seams, like we said right at the first of the show. Now, Tesla, SEC, or no, no, I'm sorry, S, SEC, <laughs> Bitcoin is a liquid alternative to cash, says Elon Musk's Tesla. All right, now here's where the SEC comes in. By the way, this is Bitcoin Magazine. It is Sean Amick speaking <clears throat> or writing. In a recent US Securities and Exchange Commission filing, Tesla Incorporated reiterated its, reiterated its pro-Bitcoin position, stating that Bitcoin has long-term potential and is a liquid alternative to cash. The filing also confirmed that the electric car maker did not sell any of its Bitcoin holdings since the quarter prior. During the first quarter of 2021, Tesla invested an aggregate of 1.5 billion into Bitcoin per an SEC filing at the time. Within that filing, Tesla provided information explaining how the investment would provide us with more flexibility to further diversify and maximize returns on our cash that is not required to maintain adequate operating liquidity, end quote. Tesla also stated its intentions to accept Bitcoin as a means of payments for goods and services in the future in the Q1 2021 filing, news of the investment spread all across forms of media, and Elon Musk, the company's CEO, became more active in discussions involving. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. On April the 26, 2021, the initial investment for means of liquidity was strengthened when Musk took to Twitter in order to defend Tesla's choice to sell 10% of its Bitcoin holdings during the second quarter of 2021. The SEC filing referenced the aforementioned sale netted Tesla a gain of $128 million. However... In June, On June 13th, 2021, Musk capitulated to market environmental concerns as he stated Bitcoin needed to use more clean energy, thereby removing the option to receive Bitcoin as payment until there was verifiable information showing confirmation of reasonable clean energy usage by miners with positive future trends and reasonable means more than 50%. On October the 14th, 2021, it was reported that Tesla was up over $1 billion on its initial investment into Bitcoin. More recently, on April the 8th, 2022, Tesla announced a partnership with Blockstream and Block, noting that Tesla energy equipment would be leveraged for a $12 million Bitcoin mining facility. In full circle, Tesla entered the Bitcoin ecosystem with a massive $1.5 billion BTC buy, took action for the environment as it believed was necessary, held on to its BTC reserves, and returned to the ecosystem as a clean Bitcoin mining participant. Well, that's actually kind of an interesting circle when you actually spell it all out that way. Still not the biggest fan of Elon Musk, although he is fun to watch, isn't he? I'll give him that. Now, the SEC again in the news. Arnold Karimi is writing this one for Cointelegraph. The SEC doubles down on crypto regulation by expanding the unit. The SEC announced on Tuesday that it would nearly double the number of personnel responsible for safeguarding investors in cryptocurrency markets. As per the announcement, the SEC's cyber unit, which includes the crypto assets and cyber team, will hire 20 new people for 50 dedicated positions. The SEC stated that the 20 hires would include investigative staff attorneys, trial lawyers, and fraud analysts. Chair Gary Gensler praised the appointments as long overdue and essential to overseeing one of Wall Street's newest and most popular sectors. This is welcome news to many who have been concerned about the potential for market manipulation and other fraudulent activities in the crypto space. In recent months, the SEC's crypto unit has successfully brought dozens of cases against those seeking to take advantage of investors in crypto markets, Gary Gensler stated, adding, quote, By nearly doubling the size of this key unit, the SEC will be better equipped to police wrongdoing. Oh my God, it's like a fucking superhero, right? We're going to police wrongdoing in the crypto markets while continuing to identify disclosures and controls issues with respect to cybersecurity, end quote. SEC Director of Enforcement Gerbier S. Grewall said that the majority of crypto-related securities fraud victims are individuals. According to Grewal, Cyber attacks continue to pose an existential risk to the United States financial system. The bolstered crypto assets and cyber unit, he said, will be at the forefront of safeguarding investors and the broader markets. The announcement comes after nearly eight months of pleading for more personnel, begging for more people. We need more warm bodies in chairs. Ginsler reportedly told lawmakers that his agency needed more staff to confront the ever increasing number of new financial technologies. Last month, Gensler emphasized that the SEC's protections for investors of traditional assets should also apply to crypto traders. In a come-in-and-talk-with-us approach, Gensler has urged crypto firms with securities to register in order to safeguard investors. The lack of regulatory clarity in the United States, which is affected by various authorities, including the SEC, the CFTC, and the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, has been criticized by several cryptocurrency firms. Well, Well, duh. Of course, you're going to criticize them. So they've doubled the amount of asses in chairs over there at the SEC when it comes to cryptocurrency. it will be interesting to see if they do anything. And for those of you holding Bitcoin, you're in the safest position that you can be because there's not a CEO of Bitcoin. You know, we don't have something like those idiots over at Ripple have. They don't. We don't have the, You know, like absolute thieves that are like at the helm of of everything. Is there a thief in Bitcoin? Sure there is. There's several hundred thousand of them. I guarantee it. However, they are they're they're just not in a position where they're calling all the shots for Bitcoin. Right? They can be prosecuted as individuals and I don't know, more power to you if you want to go do that. I'm good with it. I, I don't care. You want to steal steal from little old ladies, you deserve to be, you know, dragged out in the street and shot in the head in public on the news so that everybody else can see it. However The SEC being able to quote unquote, go after Bitcoin is kind of laughable. Who are you gonna arrest? What's the charge? Who are you gonna arrest? Will you go find all five of the people with commit access to the Bitcoin GitHub repository? And even if you did, even if you captured all five of them, that code is easily ported to some other platform that is not in the control of something like GitHub. And the developers will find out wh- where to go and how to start working on it, and that's exactly what they'll start doing. And they'll start working on it again. And the people from all the nodes, node, uh, uh, all the node builders like Mynode and Umbral, they'll figure it out real quick where to go you know where to go vet and get the new software for their updates on their node hardware pieces. I'm not concerned if I was holding anything other than Bitcoin. I would be very concerned because they will go after the low hanging fruit. They will go after the people that are dumb enough to have offices and phone numbers and (sighs) places of residence that they put on paperwork that said that they're the CEO of fucking Ripple. Those are the people that are going to get hit and get hit the hardest. Although the guys at Ripple somehow or another have been able to stave off death for a lot longer than I thought, but we're moving on. Bitcoinist uh, Eduardo Prospero is talking about this one. Let's analyze the actual text from the Central African Republic's Bitcoin law. Yes, let's do so, but right after this, I want you to do the following. If you have if you didn't see my tweet from yesterday, I want you to do the following. Go find where Central African Republic is. As you might imagine, it is smack dab in the center of the continent of Africa. Not kind of to the south, not kind of to the east, not not a little bit to the west or or more more or less north. No, 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 no. This shit is right in the heart of Africa. The Central African Republic is landlocked and sits right in the center of the body that is Africa. Why is that important? Because like pancreatic cancer, one of the reasons it's so untreatable and almost everybody succumbs to it is because of its location in the human body. The pancreas sits pretty much right under the stomach, kind of like next to the where the loop of the large intestine starts going around. So, you know by it's right there which is where the center of the human body you can't really bombard the pancreas with all the kinds of shit that you need to bombard it with to take care of cancer that and the fact that the pancreas itself is well it's a little feathery it's a little it's it's not exactly uh it's not exactly hard it's pretty soft so it's it's fragile which is one of the reasons why it's Probably so embedded in the human body is to keep it protected from shocks and jarring, you know, blows and whatnot, like that. In either event, it's hard to get to, it's hard to irradiate, it's hard to get chemotherapy to it. And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to eradicate out of the human body. Now, check this shit out with Bitcoin being adopted as legal tender in the Central African Republic. Well, We've got a situation where it's just going to spread and metastasize to all of the countries that are sharing a border with Central African Republic. And after those fall like dominoes in a circle around the epicenter that is the Central African Republic, it's going to spread West, East, North and South. And it's going to do so at a blazingly, a mind blowing clip, right? Same thing with El Salvador. El Salvador basically sits right in the center between um, Central America and South America. It's these, the the positioning of both of these legal tender, Bitcoin as legal tender countries should not be unrecognized as significant. Okay, so now, as it turns out, it's a Bitcoin law after all. The full text from the Central African Republic's law that makes Bitcoin legal tender is finally out, clearing all kinds of doubts and questions that the world had and creating new ones. Bitcoinist already told you most of the things you had to know about the story. However, a piece of the puzzle was missing. Let's read the key articles of the law and try to make sense of them in a fair way. The Bitcoin laws text in French is here and it comes from the Central African Republic's government's official Facebook site. Oh, for God's sakes. We use this translation by a pseudonymous Stacker News user. President Faustin Archange Torda signed the law on April the 22nd, and it takes effect from the date of its promulgation. And after reading it, the first thing that jumps out is that they will create a national agency for the regulation of electronic transactions, abbreviated ANTE, A-N-T-E said agency is the institutional body that, among other things, is responsible for controlling and managing all public ATMs installed by the state. It's not immediately clear what else it's responsible for. One thing that is abundantly clear from the beginning, even though this law considers other cryptocurrencies, only Bitcoin is legal tender and a reserve currency. The first article says, quote, The purpose of this law is to govern all transactions related to cryptocurrencies in the Central African Republic without restriction, with unlimited purvey in all transactions and for any purpose carried out by individuals or institutions, whether public or private, Bitcoin will legitimately be considered as a reserve currency, end quote. Add Article 9 to that, which says, quote, For accounting purposes the legal currency used in the Central African Republic are considered to be the reserve currency, end quote. In the second article, Confusion Starts, it says that this law applies to individuals or institutions, both public and private, and later on, who offer services through blockchain technology, which gives rise to the culmination of a smart contract to procure goods and services. What? are they saying exactly? Is it necessary to limit it to institutions that use smart contracts? What happens if they use blockchain tech to provide services but don't use smart contracts? Moving on, in Article 4, we find formal definitions. The one for cryptocurrencies is especially interesting. According to the CARS Bitcoin law, that Central African Republic, those are digital currencies issued by peer-to-peer digital asset without the need of a central bank based on a blockchain and usable through a decentralized computer network. In quotes, a decentralized computer network, only Bitcoin provides that. According to Article 6, quote, all electronic transactions in the Central African Republic may be expressed in cryptocurrencies. That means that tax contributions may be paid in cryptocurrencies, according to Article 7. However, Article 8 says, quote, cryptocurrency trades are not subject to tax, end quote. Confusion raises its ugly head once again here because Article 16 says, quote, any profit made by trader is subject to general tax code, end quote. Which is it? Bitcoin law? As in El Salvador's case, the CAR's government guarantees instantaneous convertibility from Bitcoin to the CFA franc and vice versa. According to article 11, quote, without prejudice to the actions of the private sector, the state shall provide alternatives enabling the user to carry out transactions in cryptocurrency and to have automatic and instantaneous convertibility of cryptocurrencies into the currency used in the Central African Republic, end quote. How will they do that? As in El Salvador's case, they will create a fund that will cover the exchange from one coin to the other. Because Article 23 says, Before the entry into force of this law, the state shall guarantee, through the central bank, by the creation of a trust, the automatic and instantaneous convertibility of cryptocurrencies into legal tender. End quote. That's not the only similarity to El Salvador's Bitcoin law. The controversial Article 7 is also present and Bitcoinist was worried that it supposedly included steep fines and jail time for people who didn't accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. As it turns out, the the report we quoted was partially wrong. What Article 19 of the CAR's Bitcoin law actually says is, in addition to the provisions of the penal code and the text's Currently in force, any person who contravenes the provisions of this law shall be liable to a penalty of 10 to 20 years imprisonment, holy crap, and or a fine of 100 million FCFA to 1 billion FCFA, end quote. So the fines and jail time are present, but not for every economic agent that can't accept Bitcoin. In fact, CAR's Bitcoin Laws Article 21 contemplates an exception for those who are not able to accept Bitcoin as payment. It says, quote, those who, by a known and obvious fact, do not have access to the technologies that enable cryptocurrency transactions are excluded from the obligation expressed in Article 11 Aforementioned in this law end quote, and that's Bitcoinist analysis of the CAR's Bitcoin law. It's not as clear and precise as El Salvador's because it introduces a few elements that could cause chaos in the long run. However, it's not as problematic as previous reports made us think. Let us finish with the president's latest tweet about the subject quote. Understanding the math underpinning the Nakamoto consensus is fundamental in acknowledging the power of Bitcoin as universal, uh, universal money. For the math connoisseur, and then he gives a link to some PDF that I'm not reading. Quote Understanding the math underpinning the Nakamoto consensus is fundamental in acknowledging the power of Bitcoin as universal money. The man gets it. And he already has almost 10,000 followers. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that I, I don't worry about that one. What is interesting about the president of the Central African Republic is that according to more than a few sources, he has not one but two PhDs in mathematics, which I find very interesting. And the fact that he uses straight up in this tweet, the phrase Nakamoto consensus makes me think that he may actually really fundamentally understand it. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are mixed today with, oh my God, natural gas is gonna blow your mind. But let's start with West Texas Intermediate down half point. Hundred and four dollars and fifty-five cents per barrel. Brent North Sea likewise down half a point to one hundred and seven dollars and eight cents a barrel. Natural gas, ladies and gentlemen, an eight percent jump in the price of natural gas on a thousand cubic feet, now costing eight dollars and eight cents. That's that's an incredibly high price for natural gas, by the way. Uh, gasoline is up over half a point to three dollars and fifty-three cents. Uh, All the shiny metal rocks are having a good day, including gold up 0.58% to $1,874.50. Silver is up almost a full point to $22.80. Platinum is up three and a half points. Copper is up one and a quarter, and palladium is up 2.14%. Agricultural futures are mostly up. The biggest winner today is chocolate again. No, actually, it just flipped over. Coffee is now your winner, 1.46% to the upside. Soybeans are up almost a point. Coffee is up a point and a quarter, or not coffee, sorry, chocolate is up a point and a quarter. Biggest loser today is cotton, of all things, 1.08% to the downside. Uh, We have the Dow up 0.2, the S&P up almost a half. NASDAQ is up 0.14%, and the S&P mini is up three quarters of a point. Real money bouncing around its usual bullshit, $38,278.24. 2.43 million BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours. That's just over 100,000 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 8.8 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.016 BTC, or just a hair under $600. Block times have seemed to have normalized at 10 minutes and four seconds. We have 0.07 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 10 and three quarter BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And with a 10 and a quarter percent drop in hash rate, we're back down to 228.26 exahashes per second, which is probably about 100 times more security than we would ever need. Just saying. Dogecoin... Seems to be struggling uh, in comparison with Bitcoin. It should be up at around 14 US pennies. It is not, it is at 13 United States pennies. 9400 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear we have a 727.7 billion dollar market cap which is 5.89 percent of gold's market cap and if we so choose we may purchase a 20.4 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one bitcoin of which there are 19 million of and 3,714.6 of those are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at $142 million, being run over 16,906 nodes, sporting 82,846 payment channels, and 73% of all of it's being run over tours associated 11,801 Lightning Network nodes, or at least the ones that we know about. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. We're going to start this one off from Bitcoin Magazine, written by Jesse Willems, Pierre (laughs) Poyever. I can't pronounce this guy's name. Whatever that dude up in Canada, he wants to bring Bitcoin adoption to Canada. Uh, He's running for president or prime minister rather. Uh, Let's find out more. In a first for Canada, Conservative Party leadership candidate Pierre, whatever his name is, is campaigning to bring Bitcoin adoption to Canadians as a way to give people control and autonomy over their own finances. To large crowds, unprecedented for a party leadership campaign, the longtime member of parliament and conservative finance critic said, quote, We need to give people the freedom to choose other money. If the government is going to abuse our cash, we should have the right to opt to use other higher quality cash. End quote. Jeez. As Canadian elites watched nervously, Canadian politics is changing daily, almost beyond recognition. Some observers have suggested that the Freedom Convoy Bitcoin fundraising in February, which raised over a million Canadian dollars, may have accelerated the pace of interest in Bitcoin. Quote, Crypto has become a pressing and increasingly polarizing issue for policymakers in government and central banking. The political tensions and regulatory questions came to the fore during the trucker convoy protests in February when supporters tried to skirt government restrictions on donations by using cryptocurrencies from The Globe and Mail. Mm -hmm. Pierre's campaign is crossing the country to packed halls everywhere he goes. His principal messages are, One, I'm running for prime minister to give you back control of your life and restore freedom. Two, people with big titles told us that we would have deflation at the same time they printed money to cause inflation. Why should we believe them now? Three, give people back control of their lives and control over their finances. Four, take control of money away from politicians and bankers and give it back to the people. Five, make Canada the freest country on earth. Mm. bitcoin is a major plank in pierre's campaign themes of financial security and autonomy in his role as conservative finance critic pierre has raised bitcoin many times in parliament mostly to yawns and glazed eyes he has also argued that the combination of skyrocketing government deficits and central bank money printing will be the main cause of future inflation in canada's economy quote as a member of parliament and as the finance critic He has long been a thorn in the side of the Bank of Canada, challenging its execution of monetary policy and railing against its decisions during the pandemic to launch a quantitative easing program under which it has purchased more than $300 billion of its own government's bonds. Yikes. Pierre has said that a government led by him would extend the auditor's general authority to include the Bank of Canada and push for a review of its monetary policies. That's what we term in the United States as auditing the Fed. He's, he's pulling a Ron Paul here, guys. We'll have to see if it works. I mean, it's a bold move, Cotton. We'll just have to see if it works out for him. Quote, Pierre has been highly critical of the Bank of Canada, accusing it of acting as an ATM for the federal government during the COVID-19 pandemic through the central bank's government bond buying program, also known as quantitative easing. He has mocked the institution for incorrect inflation forecast over the past two years and recently called it financially illiterate added Rendell and Ian Bailey of the Globe and Mail. Pierre has said he will oppose a CBDC arguing it would give the government more power to surveil the people's spending and public digital currencies would compete with commercial bank deposits. The Bank of Canada has been working on a digital currency pegged to the value of the Canadian dollar for several years and is waiting for a decision from the federal government on whether to go ahead. I spoke with some prominent Bitcoiners to get their take on Pierre's candidacy. Samson Moe works with his new company, Jan3, to promote state Bitcoin adoption and is the architect of El Salvador's Volcano Bond. Quote, I'm watching the Pierre campaign with interest. Pierre seems to understand the importance of Bitcoin and its potential both as an asset and as a future currency. He also seems to understand the importance of issues like the government's monetary policies to fight inflation, such as quantitative easing. Jonathan Hamill, a Montreal-based Bitcoin analyst and investor who is a close observer of the political scene, told us that in Quebec, where politics is often different from the rest of Canada, the crowds coming to see Pierre are equally large and enthusiastic. In an interview, Hamill told us, quote, when I was invited to speak in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee in 2018 as a member, Pierre was the only MP who showed real interest and asked pertinent questions, end quote. BTC Sessions is a Calgary-based Bitcoin advocate and podcaster providing help and advice to Bitcoiners on his website. Quote, when it comes to Pierre, I am cautiously optimistic. I've been disillusioned by politics, as have many Bitcoiners, he told Bitcoin Magazine. Continuing, quote, he said, however, I'm encouraged by Pierre's knowledge of monetary history and the pitfalls of indiscriminate money printing, as well as his continuously refined messaging around Bitcoin itself. uh, Pierre seems well-informed about Bitcoin, a complicated subject, and is clear about the different kinds of crypto, BTC sessions added. Hamill sees Pierre's campaign as part of a new conservatism that is sweeping across Canada. Asked whether he thinks Pierre can sell Bitcoin adoption to Canadians, he said, Pierre's support for Bitcoin contributes to his appeal as a refreshing new generation conservative voice. End quote. Further quote, the support for sound money is a bigger question. For the first time in history, people are realizing there's a link between central banks' policies and the dilution of their purchasing power, otherwise known as inflation. It's not fringe it's not fringe gold bugs or libertarian issues anymore. Pierre seems committed to that. Despite the fact that Pierre's bringing out crowds that are unprecedented in a party leadership campaign, the conservatives' rules are complicated. Unlike a general election, a conservative party leadership race uses instant runoff voting, a type of ranked preferential vote counting method, also sometimes referred to as alternative or preferential voting. Each federal writing can score a maximum of 100 points, and at least one other candidate has suggested they could get 100 points per writing while Pierre may have more votes in concentration, but not necessarily distributed equally across all 338 writings. And that's writings, R-I-D-I-N-G-S. There you go. To vote, supporters have to sign up for a party membership before June the 3rd. The vote will be on September the 10th, 2022. So, what happens next? The expression, quote, a week is a long time in politics, can hardly express the frustration of Canadians as they have to wait until 2025. 2025, before they can vote for a new federal government. The next election is likely at least three years away as the governing liberals have made a deal with another party, the NDP, to keep them in power until at least June of 2025. The liberal government is hoping this will give them time to get more homes built and for the current spike in inflation to work itself out. Good luck with that. According to Hamill, from what I can tell, there is a lot of interest around Pierre's campaign, not only for his Bitcoin stance, but for his proposals in general. He represents the renewal of the conservative movement. It's becoming the counterculture on campuses, but also in alternative media. Basically what progressives were in the 2000s, he added. A commentary from the Washington Post said that in Canada, it's often treated as a fact of life that political parties will be unimpressive and unambitious and that Canadians when they vote at all, will do so more out of rote partisan loyalty than any conviction they're actually affecting the course of their country, end quote. It added, quote, to conservatives filling his rallies, casting a ballot for Pierre is a vote to snap out of this cycle, and thus the most exciting vote that they've cast in years, quote. Greg Foss is a longtime financial expert and Bitcoin strategist with validist power, Along with other Bitcoiners, Foss is watching the Pierre campaign with interest. Quote, As far as I can tell, Pierre is a true believer in his mission to give Canadians control over their own finances. It's unusual to see a politician be so direct about his uh, convictions. End quote. Meanwhile, longtime commentator Rex Murphy is amazed at the transformation of Canadian politics in a relatively short time from tedious to excitement over a new policy direction. Quote, It's not the wedding feast at Cana, but to some, it's close to an equal transformation. It belongs in the category of things like turning water into wine that are not supposed to happen, things which defy the common order of nature. All right, so that was Jesse Willems writing about Pierre Plurvery, however you pronounce his name, and his bid for Prime Minister of Canada And it really does suck that they got to wait until 2025 to even make a decision on this shit. I mean, these people are going to lose their freaking minds before that ever comes to to pass. But it is neat. It is neat to see somebody taking a Ron Paul sort of approach and getting what seems to be more excitement going on for it. So there you go. There you go. Uh, What else we got here? We've got... Uh, Weiss Ratings issues a warning over crypto mortgage risks. Now, generally speaking, I hate Weiss Ratings because they're always getting shit wrong. However, I have I have my certain reservations with uh, Bitcoin based loans in general, much less on you know, well, and and just as much when it comes to making mortgages with them. Brian Quarmby tells us more out of Coin Telegraph. <clears throat> Florida-based ratings and research firm Weiss Ratings has fired out a warning over the risks of crypto mortgages amid the current economic climate in the United States. The company paid particular focus to Milo, a digital banking startup from Miami that offers a 30-year mortgage backed by BTC and shitcoin number one or stablecoins as collateral. The firm requires zero down payments and its loan rates vary between 3.95% and 5.95%. In the Tuesday report, Weiss analyst John Markham urged caution with such mortgages, citing citing the poor performance of stocks in crypto this year, a U.S. housing bubble, rising interest rates, and the Federal Reserve's upcoming policy changes. Quote, The product seems to be like a win-win assuming real estate and crypto prices keep rising, except there are, sign, there are signs that both sets are unlikely to be winners in the near term. Bitcoin is off its 40% since it reached its $66,000 price tag in November of 2021." quote. And U.S. property prices now face headwinds from a change in Fed policy and rising mortgage rates. Markham did conclude that not all crypto risk is bad, but it could be in the property sector before adding, quote, no matter what the markets are doing, the potential to succeed in cryptocurrencies is real, end quote. Many crypto and stock investors have been negatively anticipating the potential market impacts of serious interest rate hikes this year as the Fed aims to reel in inflation. Again, good luck with that. While both markets suffering from a lackluster performance due to a myriad of factors, macro analysts such as Alex Krueger have boldly suggested that the Fed's latest announcements, announcements set for this week will determine the fate of the market moving forward. Removing the housing market from the equation, if the price of Bitcoin were to plunge significantly over the next few months, there does appear to be a fair amount of wiggle room for Milo users, however, according to the mortgage terms and conditions. The price of the collateralized crypto assets can dip in value with zero consequences as long as it doesn't dip to 35% of the total loan amount. To avoid liquidation, users must top up their collateral within 48 hours of hitting the minimum percentage, while stable coins could also be utilized in times of market volatility. Milo raised $17 million worth of Series A funding in March and has plans to develop its mortgage products to meet larger demand, along with upping its headcount. However, Markham also raised concerns that Milo's larger plan is to pool crypto-backed home loans and offer them as bonds Oh God, to asset managers and insurance companies, liking, likening it to the behavior that resulted in the 2009 housing market crash. Quote, it's an interesting strategy, but given current market conditions, investors should be skeptical, especially with financial stocks. All of this should sound familiar. Pooling risky home loans, then selling them to unsuspecting asset managers was a recipe for the great recession of 2009. So, like I said, I don't normally ever agree with anything coming out of Weiss ratings because they've gotten so much so wrong for so long that it's this kind of laughable. However, you should really think very, very hard of taking any kind of loans out against your Bitcoin, because the minute you hand over those keys, even if they're, even if it's like some kind of escrow, you know, and and multi-signature situation, they can compel you to go ahead and sign because they've got, or they just take it to arbitration with the third party holding the third key and you're just cut out of the loop because it's a two or three multi-sig and you're just, the arbitrator agrees with the mortgage lender and says, you got to give it up. And that's, it's a done deal, right? Not your keys, not your cheese. And that's just the way that you should think about all of this stuff. Because a, the way that I read what they were saying is that you could suffer like you could suffer all the way down to 35 percent of the loan's value, which is on the mortgage lender side. That's, that's kind of a brutal dip to actually have to take, because you can get like you're almost allowing if I'm reading it right, you're almost allowing the, 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 the loan E, or the guy that took out the loan, to suffer an almost 60 percent dip and you know, or, or a 65 percent dip in the price of big in the price of his collateral against the house that he lives in that I don't know man that would scare the piss out of me if I was the mortgage lender if I'm reading that correctly I'm just saying be very careful with this whole going out and getting a loan against your bitcoin whether it's to buy more bitcoin to buy mining rigs to buy a house to buy a car it can go south like a duck in winter we've seen it I've seen it personally like 20 times and I, I, I While I say that I'm used to it, you never really get used to it. But I'll tell you where you never will get used to it is if you've got Bitcoin on the line and that price dips and you got to give up your Bitcoin, there is no manner of how many Bitcoin dips you'll see. Every time somebody takes away your Bitcoin, you're going to feel it and it's going to suck. You better make deadly sure that this is what you want to do with your life before you make a loan like this. Okay, so just be very, 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 very ultimately just ridiculously careful. Alright. Bitcoin mining giants are selling Bitcoin call options as a new yield farming strategy. Uh is, I, I hope I don't get really sick reading this one to you guys, but Abushan Bushan Akalar Alak no, Akalakar is writing this one for CoinGape. Um a Bitcoin As Bitcoin continues to stay in a period of strong consolidation and correction, Bitcoin miners are now resolving to their own way of yield farming. Bitcoin mining giants like Marathon Digital and Riot Blockchain often believe in their hodling strategy for long-term gains. However, times of consolidation or long-term bear cycles could be challenges. These companies have huge operational costs in terms of equipment, investments, hardware and electricity bills, not, not to mention payroll. Bloomberg reports that rather than selling Bitcoin to raise additional funds, these miners are selling Bitcoin call options to get money out of their holdings. Thus, they are adopting the old school yield generation strategy deployed using conventional finance. These mining giants are leveraging the fact that contracts frequently expire worthless. In this case, the owner of the contract gets nothing. However, the Bitcoin miner who sold these contracts can keep the amount the buyer paid to purchase these options, as Bloomberg explains. Bitcoin now trades at around 39,000. If a miner sells a call with a $50,000 exercise price and Bitcoin fails to rise to that level by the time the contract expires, the miner makes money. Joshua Lim, head of derivatives at New York-based brokerage Genesis Global Trading said, Bitcoin miners are some of the most voracious yield seekers in the market today. These miners are getting annual returns or yield in double digit percentages. When Bitcoin is in a range bound market, this type of yield generation strategy will outperform a mine and hold or mine and liquidate strategy." However, there could be major risks in the upside market. So if Bitcoin hits the exercise price, the miners will have to look a lot or book a loss. As per the Bloomberg report, public listing or listed Bitcoin mining companies are looking for new yield strategies to fund their operations. Interestingly, they are looking at ways without issuing new shares or debt. Fred Teal, executive officer of Las Vegas, Nevada based Marathon said, quote, we use call option straddles, where essentially you sell a call option and then buy one at a higher price, so that you don't miss out on the upside. Historically, it has generated more than ten percent annually. All right, so this isn't making me as sick as I thought yet. When anybody, some, any time anybody uses the term yield farming, I automatic the hackles on my neck just raise up because of all the DeFi shenanigans that have gone over, gone on. Uh, Since the, you know, two summers ago when the whole sushi swap thing really kicked in in earnest and people were just getting hosed left and right to fund, you know, the one in 1000 person that was like, you know, making headlines with making $400 million in a day or some stupid shit like that. All right, so that is going to do it for the morning roundup, and I'm going to go ahead and cut it short here. My wife needs to get into the office, so no joke today. We'll come back with one tomorrow, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.